Hello, beautiful people. My guest today is Johnny Watson. And Johnny first came onto my radar when I was listening to the Modern Wisdom podcast, which is a great podcast that everybody should check out, and particularly the Life Hack series. And in this Life Hack series, you have Johnny, you have Dr. Yusuf Smith, episode 15. And you have Chris Williamson, and they just talk about different ways to improve our lives, little things that can help us in a number of different ways. So I first got turned on to him there. Then I find out that he runs an incredibly successful business that allowed him to quit his job as an accountant. And I really wanted to learn more about his story. In addition to that, he has also deadlifted 700 pounds. And that's absurd. And we spoke about that and what that means towards the end of this conversation. But overall, this was a really fun one for me. I enjoyed it tremendously. I hope you listening do as well. And also, if you haven't heard yet, I'm starting to post these episodes on YouTube. And starting on January 25th, the episodes will also have a video format too. So if you're not already, please subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on the podcast player you're listening to as well if you want to help me out, and enjoy this episode, guys. Let's get right to it. Interesting people, thought-provoking conversations, nutrition for your brain. Journey through the minds of the world's top performers and discover what it really takes to achieve your highest version. This is the Danny Miranda Podcast. So, first things first is Dr. Yusuf described you as the smartest person he knows. So, (laughs) why did he say that? I have no idea. I have absolutely <laughs> no idea. No, so, well, Yusuf and I have been running a business together for 10 years. Um, so he doesn't give himself enough credit. But um, I guess we we take, like, different responsibilities and roles in the business. Um, he, I guess I've got to say it back, right? Like, he's also the smartest person I know, um, but probably for different reasons that he would say. So... I do like the numbers side and the the finance side and a lot of the marketing, like the ad side and all that sort of stuff. Um, and he looks at that and thinks like, "Wow, Johnny does a spreadsheet, so that makes him <laughs> that makes him smart." Um, but he, you know, Yusuf is a has just passed his medical degree; he's now a doctor, um, and he just sees through like large large bodies of information and synthesizes them really quickly. So, um, I guess it's probably the spreadsheet thing. Or the numbers thing is probably why he said that. Did he tell you or did he just say that? He just threw it out there and I was like, well, I have to ask <laughs> right. Johnny about this. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so, the spreadsheets. So sure. talk a little bit about, you know, few people have been with the same partner, whether that be business or relationships for 10 years. So talk a little bit about why you think there's been success in that arena working together yeah uh that's a great question um i think business partnerships are a tough one because business is like the, the i think the, the the conversation that yusuf and i had when we left nine to five uh employment and started working for ourselves is it's it's like um if you are a 
if you're an employee, like, and, and there's a storm at sea, you're like 200 meters below the sea. Like you may be aware that there's a storm at the surface, but you don't actually experience any of it. Or else it's a bit of an obscure analogy. Um, but when you're, when you're the owner and there's a storm at sea, like you are on the waves on the surface. So it's a really, it can be a really like emotional up and down a lot of the time. Um, and I think it brings out people's like the most raw form of emotion because it's about like finances and how, like, your reputation and all these sorts of things get like put on the line. Um, so it is actually, I guess, like I've never really thought about it like that. But yeah, it is quite surprising that we've we've worked together for as long as we have. Um, I think, to be honest, it's just the fact that um, neither of us really take it personally. Um, I don't I don't really know why that is. It's just never been. It's always been the way that we do it. Like we can have a a disagreement and a serious conversation about work, um, and then work talk ends and we're just we're friends again. Um, so we were friends first, and then and then we we became business partners. But we we both just say like exactly what we think, um, and the and we both understand that you know it may it may be like an offensive topic or like a, something that may cause offence, but neither of us um, take it as a personal thing. I think that's really it. So just like complete transparency and honesty with each other, and then um, separate like it, we almost have like separate modes for friendship and, and business partner. Could you take us through one of those? situations or disagreements or where you've had to say something or or Yusuf has had to say something to you where <laughs> that that so just to give us a, a clearer example so people could latch onto it if, yeah, if you don't yeah. mind yeah of course yeah well I'll use like a um like a, a really simple example so like uh when Yusuf does a lot of our Instagram stuff like our social media like our front-facing social media uh, content um and there's a few things he's posted which have been a bit like i don't know uh i look at it and think "Mm, not everyone's gonna find that very funny right so like a bit on the line of someone might take that the wrong way um or like there's a bit too much skin on show there (laughs) or like he's in his pants why is he in his pants all that sort of stuff um where i have to basically ring him and say like we need to just take all this down um because it's not, it doesn't look right for the for the brand, and, and like people are gonna take get you know, take it the wrong way, um, and that would be a, a primary example of normally, right? If someone has spent, you know, an hour prepping content, uh, putting it out there, they posted it, it's had, had some feedback, it's getting likes, it's getting comments, and then someone rings them and says, "I know you put all this work in, but you need to take it down again." Um, that would be a prime example of like that's wide open for someone to take offense to it. Um, but usually what we do in that situation is just talk about it as though we aren't personally involved. So why might this be good for the business? Let's explore that. Why might this be bad for the business? Um, how would we like advise someone else if we weren't involved in this? And we usually just reach a really like amicable agreement and decision. Um, but that, I mean, that's the first thing that comes to mind as a, is that, does that kind of give you a good example? The sort of yeah, thing we, yeah. absolutely. It sounds like the ability to separate yourself from the situation is the key, and that to not take things personally. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, one thing that Dr. Yusuf told me about, and that I did my research and found throughout it, was that you've deadlifted almost <laughs> seven hundred pounds. 
So talk to me about that. That's something that few humans have have done on this earth. And I assume that this was a, a project that was in the works for a long time. So talk to me about that journey. Sure. So, uh, like Yusuf and I know each other because we, we trained in the same gym basically at school. Um, and so it started out where like, I, I guess like everyone's first experience of, of doing a deadlift is, well, that's the most weight you can move on an exercise. So I'm going to try that one, right. And see how much I can do. So it started like that. Um, and I think like, I'm quite well known on like our Instagram for having long legs, right. Long legs and long arms both of which are very favorable for deadlifting. So you get like really good leverages and you can, I guess, lift more, especially long arms, very helpful because you don't have to move the weight as far. Um, but I, I guess I figured that I had a slightly bigger deadlift than average, like of my friends in the gym at the time, which I think anybody who really gets into anything, it's normally because they try a little bit of it and realize, oh, I'm, I'm kind of all right at this, I think. So I'm going to do more of it. And that was like the positive reinforcement I needed to, to really double down on it. Um, but I think it probably took me, it's basically took my mind, my entire training career, um, to get my deadlift to, to those numbers. Um, and it's, it's strange cause, cause everybody says like, Oh, that must feel, um, that must feel so heavy. That must feel so like, um, so, so crazy to, to lift that. Um, and there's an example, have you heard of a guy called Ed Cohen? you heard of him before Mm-mm. no he's like widely regarded as like one of the best powerlifters or the best powerlifter ever um and people used to ask him in seminars like what was it like to like whatever it was like squat this much like his max and his response was always like well ask the person who asked the question well what's your max mm-hmm. and then whenever they said it's like well it, that's what it, it my max to me feels like your max to you so in terms of like what it feels like to to, to to deadlift that or what it feels like to get stronger on a deadlift it always kind of feels the same it's always, it's always just as much as you can lift and it feels heavy and it feels really difficult. It just so happens to be that the number's slightly more in the bar each time. Um, and I guess just tolerating that for a long enough time, eventually like you end up hitting numbers that are like more than probably you ever would expect you would have ever been able to lift. So that's kind of how it, how it happened. Um, and I like, you know, I, I, participated in powerlifting for, for several years. So that helps with like having the competitive aspect of it helps to stay, motivated and interested in it breaking records and winning competitions and things like that really help you devote more time to it but i think the answer is honestly just lots of boring time spent in the gym practicing it's so interesting because when you when you go and lift weights and then it's difficult right your Mm. your first thought might be oh like I, i want it to be easy and I've caught myself thinking this at some times throughout my weightlifting careers, like, oh, I, I wish it was easier. But then I think to myself, it's never going to get easier. It's always going <laughs> to feel this way. So I relate yeah. 100% to what you're you're talking about with your deadlift. Yeah. It, yeah, it, it's strange. It, like, I suppose there are, there are subtle things that change. Like, you can tell, like, I suppose you're you're just you're still just a human at the end of the day right so like adding another 100 kilos to your deadlift you can you can tell it's heavier because like you're more slightly more sore the next day you feel like you've been hit by a bus when you wake up the next morning um but it's not like the effort you have to put in to hit a 300 kilo deadlift is more 
or a 700 pound deadlift is more than a 600 pound or a 500 pound or a 400 pound mm-hmm. if that's all you can do right and it's such a it's the you're you're, you're absolutely right that um the stronger you get it never gets easier it ultimately just the sessions take more time because you've got more warm-up to do before you reach mm-hmm. the the set that you're trying to try but it's exactly the same experience which is i've always found so strange as well um that you know i guess the, the experience is the same but i suppose the risk is higher um, like the injury risk is higher and the sessions take longer and that's about it and what i think about it is when i'm starting something new like if i just do what i'm supposed to do in that day then it's going to lead to the place where i want to be so for this podcast for example it's like if i just start and have one conversation well that's exactly what I'm going to be doing for the thousandth episode, right? So it's like, it's weird to think about it like that, but you can actually do what you want to be doing. You just have to do it today and keep doing it and you'll get better and better. It's kind of how I think about it at least. Yeah. And, and like you, you're right there. I think that is pretty much everything, like pretty much every achievement is the experience of, of achieving the final thing is the same as the first step in that journey, um, more or less, right? Or it's a, it's very, very similar. It's just that the steps in between is what's like the part that no one likes to talk about because it's just boring a lot of the time. Or not not boring, but it, it requires a lot of, requires a lot of discipline uh, uh, to being very consistent with it. So as you say, like doing a thousand podcast episodes takes a while or a thousand hours of podcasting is gonna take a long time. Um, and a lot of people give up before they hit the end target. So I think that's just the difference. Yeah, absolutely. So one thing that I wanted to talk to you about was you worked as an accountant before mm. before you went full-time into propane. And yeah. I wanted to know what being an accountant has helped you with in your online business. Um. If Pro- anything, prob- you can yeah, say so, nothing. So probably less than you'd think. Um, so like part of being an accountant, at least like in the UK, I'm not, I'm, I can't speak for other places, but, but generally you, you leave university and you are on this scheme, which for me was three years. Um, and during that time you are working for a firm. So you're doing like a full-time, full-time hours at a, at a, at a firm of accountants. And uh, at the same time, you're, revising or like learning and revising for exams that like teach you the theory of what you're doing in your day job so you the benefit of it really is the the stuff you learn is very very practical so you get to go into other businesses and see how they run all the way from how they pay their employees or how they make sure when like bits of stock arrive that they've got all the stock and it's all matched up correctly and how they make sure that um, the right amount of cash is in the bank and all these sorts of things, right? Stuff that's very practical that you wouldn't learn necessarily in a degree. Um, and at the same time, you're learning like the theory of how business works in general. So a set of accounts and how accounting works. Um, and I, I do remember leaving my accountancy job thinking like, oh, this will really help, right? Like not not very many people who start a business from zero are also an accountant at the same time. And I, th- I thought it would help a ton. Um, and I suppose it does from a, uh, like obviously managing the finances and tracking the numbers and you do develop a, an affinity with spreadsheets and things like that. 
Um, but the what Yusuf and I had no experience in at the time when we started was marketing, selling, uh, delivering good customer experience, the tech side, the software side. And really that's what makes or breaks, certainly an online business, you know, being able to actually get customers because you can't rely on passing trade. You can't rely on someone walking past your gym or walking past your shop. Um, you know, you have to go out and get the people to come to you. Um, that was the part that was the steepest learning curve. And, and that was the part that being an accountant didn't help with at all, unfortunately. So it, it did help. It was a really good uh, baseline to have. And it's a nice um, like insurance policy to have. Um, but probably not as much as people think. It probably doesn't help as much as you would assume. When did you know you could quit your job as an accountant? Take us through that story. So the again, the way the like the structure works. So the three years you're you're like contract bound to to not be able to leave basically while you're training. Um, but the once you qualify and you pass your exams, you are technically allowed to leave. And I actually left at the like the first available opportunity uh, I, I I had, um, and really i i think so uh propane fitness was was still running while we were um both working full time so we were doing it in evenings and weekends and things like that and uh i think the and a lot of my a lot of my friends share this so a lot of my friends are like started working as accountant with you like joining a group of people who are all the same age you're all you're all like 21, you've just come out of university, you all think that this is going to be the start of this really long, successful career. Um, I think we all kind of felt a little bit uh, like it wasn't what we expected. So the the corporate finance world, for a lot of people, people have this impression of what it's going to be like. And honestly, I, I think I found it just quite boring and um, quite thankless a lot of the time. And I couldn't really see myself doing it for very long. Uh, but in the evenings and the weekends, I was working on this project, like this business that was actually starting to see some hints of success. Like we were actually getting some sales and making, uh, you know, getting some clients on board. Um, and so I just reached this point really where when I passed my exams, I could either stay uh, or take this risk um, and give it a try. And I, I, I basically took the view of if I don't take the risk now, it'll probably be too late in a couple of, year, couple of years. Um, so I just, I basically just, I mean, the, the business was doing just enough that I could could take a salary from it. Um, so I kind of I quit with the view that I'm going to try this for a year and just hope hope it works. Hope the hope the boat doesn't sink. Um, and yeah, but still still doing it today, thankfully. And I remember while I was doing research for this that you you started whistling one day when you quit your job and you're <laughs> just working at home. And I found that to be so funny, like your girlfriend or, or wife caught you and was like, whoa, like you're whistling. And yeah, I thought that was so funny. Oh, yeah. you've, you've really done your research. I don't even know where I said that, but it's true. Um, <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, like my, so I, I worked at the same, uh, like I met my girlfriend um, at, at the accountancy firm. So like we were both accountants and she knew how much I didn't like it. Um, so like she used to experience me every morning, like getting up and be like, oh, I don't want to go. I, you know, I, I can't be bothered. And yeah, the first the first morning, uh, like not not quite the first morning, like in the first couple of weeks, just waking up feeling like excited to to work, which was a really weird thing. Um, and yeah, I, I was whistling, which is such a stereotype, right? <laughs> like <laughs> whistling on the way to work. But yeah, it was it was a big shift immediately, a big shift. Um, 
just because I think you um, like when you are doing something that you genuinely enjoy, it just doesn't really feel like work, which again is a, is another cliche, um, but it is just the easiest way to um, like shift your happiness. I think you spend so much time doing it, right? You spend so much time at work or working on something. Um, if you don't like it, stopping doing that is a is an easy way to change how you feel. Absolutely, and so. I actually found that through one of the the life hacks that you've done. Got it. Got it. So, yeah. so talk to me about some of your favorite life hacks. And it's a broad question, but uh, I'm curious, what's your favorite life hack that, that comes to mind? Wow. I mean, there's been so many. Um, so we've been and, doing a life hacks. That, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to give you some time to to think about it. For those who don't know, Life Hacks is the series on modern wisdom that Johnny and Dr. Yusuf and Chris Williamson do, and they they publish this um, on the Modern Wisdom podcast. You can also find it on Propane Fitness. But yeah, carry on. Yeah, so um, like we we've been doing it for I think we're we're we're, we're, we're on the second season of Life Hacks now. This was like. <laughs> It's now in the, it was the 10 something like 101 then 102, et cetera. Now we're in the, the 201s and stuff. So, um, and there's even a PDF you can go pick up of all of the ones that, um, that we've done. Um, but I guess the, the premise of it is just things that, things that have like an asymmetric reward. So it's a simple thing that you can do a hack, I guess that we just found over time has, has really, really helped. Um, so a lot of the ones that, a lot of the ones that I that I mentioned that I like still look back on when I look back at the list of them and think, yeah, wow, that's really had an impact. A lot of them are, are things that I still do daily, but just don't really think about it because they're so impactful. So, like a good example is, um, I have a scale that it like a body weight scale, um, just as part of I guess you know my like lifelong fitness interest. I just weigh myself every day. It's part of the like the process that we teach at Propane Fitness. Um, I have a scale that is just a Wi-Fi scale that connects to like over Wi-Fi and logs my weight automatically, so I don't have to do that. You know, like I know that sounds so simple, but prior to that, it was every morning like step on the scale, try and like blearily eye, try and remember the number, go to my phone, try and write down, oh, I've forgotten, go back and weigh myself again. So like if I were to add up the amount of hours I've spent over i think i've had those scales since 2012 <laughs> and they're still the same ones so the, the number of hours i've spent of weighing myself every day huge so that's one of them um let me see uh, so another one would be um a soda stream do you guys have soda stream have you heard of that before yeah is that the just you t- yeah tell me about it it's just like you make your own sparkling water it's really simple <laughs> but like again um you know that's something that you go from buying all the time to suddenly you've just got it on demand in your house so it's like one purchase um that that quickly like levels up the the access you have to that and then the one that um i'm the only one of the three of us who do life hacks who's done this um but getting a dog was like so there's a there's a thing in um atomic habits by james clear where he talks about looking for ways to 
like automate a habit so that you never have to or automate something about your life so you never have to experience it again um, and one of the examples he used was for for like feeling happier and laughing was get a dog um, and it's definitely right like every single day for every day of owning a dog there's something to laugh at or smile about that would never have otherwise existed so that's probably the master like if you're in, if you if you like dogs you like pets that's the sort of thing that um i think you think you'd regret but never like not not regretted once so those are those are three examples it's really interesting because it it seems like you're searching for the you know the one activity that can impact so many other activities and you just make that decision once and exactly. and that's super helpful and and one thing that I feel from my perspective that it looks like you do is that you don't go on social media often. You know, I, I see your posts on – and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I see your obviously YouTube videos. But then it's like I don't, I don't believe you have a Twitter presence or Instagram. It feels like Yusuf does that. So is that correct? And if that's correct, talk a, bit, a little bit about why that is. Yeah, so that, that is correct. Um, I think, firstly, it's never been something like posting personal stuff on social media has just never been something I really had an interest in. Um, I don't know why. It was, it's just like it's never something that that made sense to me. So I can remember when I can remember when Facebook, like when my friends first got Facebook, right? So I, I can remember like a it's not very clear memories, I guess. I was it like I was a teenager, but I can remember when there was no Facebook or social media and when there was no Instagram. Um, and I don't remember like when people started posting all the time, I don't remember it being an improvement. It just seemed to like, add stress to people's lives. It just, it was, it was like something else to manage. Um, so when, when obviously you're running an online business that, that can be problematic, right? Like if you, if you don't like social media, it's, it can be a bit difficult sometimes. Um, but we, I think we realized very quickly that, the way to really build an online business doesn't, unless you already have a huge audience, unless you're an influencer with huge reach and that naturally comes to you, it's probably not going to be the thing that uh, will sustain the business long term. So where I put a lot of my time into is the like the paid advertising side of it or the, the automations and the system side of it that allows the business to run and, and reach like ultimately millions of people um, every month. Um, so a lot of people see that as the boring aspect of it. You know, it's not, it's, you know, numbers and ads are bad and spending money on advertising is bad and you should be doing it for free. Um, but we just spent, I think I spent equal time into figuring that stuff out and that allows us to see this, the free social media stuff. So like what you see from Yusuf on in Instagram and Twitter, just because he, he enjoys it, frankly. Um, it allows us to see that as a, like we do it cause it's nice to have rather than we are reliant on it. And that means that the content that we put out there is not, we're not trying to be something else or do something that we're not. It's just stuff we find interesting. So that's really why it's, it's not, I guess it's, you know, we don't have to, to, to make the business work. Um, but also I just, ne I've never really found it came naturally and I've never really enjoyed it. It's really interesting. And it leads me to ask you, what are some of the best ways you found to use paid advertising to help propane fitness? Sure. So um, 
I think the biggest misconception people have about paid advertising is that by itself, it's somehow magical, right? Like if you run an advert, if you run a Facebook ad, suddenly all your problems go away and you, you bring all these customers in. Um, really, it's just, if you think about it in the simplest sense, like if you post something on Instagram, uh, a percentage of your followers see it. Or if you, you know, if you're very, very good at it, maybe people who've never heard of you before see it. Uh, and the cost of that is time. So you had to make the content, you had to put thought into the content, you're contributing to the platform and then exchange, they are giving you impressions to their, their audience, right? Instagram's audience or Facebook's audience or Twitter's audience. Um, and all ads do is they basically short circuit that. So instead you're saying, look, I'll give you a hundred dollars and in exchange, I want you to show it to this many thousand people. Um, but unless you have an unlimited pot of money, uh, that breaks very quickly, right? Because you have to make the money back. It's not if people just see your posts or see your brand, um, it doesn't automatically make it profitable for you. So really, it's it's not about what the what to do with the paid ads. It's about what happens after somebody clicks on an ad. Um, and that's really what we put the time and effort into finessing. So it's like, what is the best customer experience or what is the best experience somebody could have after finding out about us for the first time that would allow them to make a decision of I'd like to work with these guys or not. And that's something that you can tweak and change behind the scenes. Um, and that's really, that's what's allowed us to, um, to bring customers into the business and so what we do today, predominantly to bring customers into the business. So it's a, it's the post the after click experience, I guess that's more important. Um, you know, how do you communicate with someone that you are the coach for them? that the way you help people is the way that would help them. Um, and that what you have to offer is, is what they're looking for basically. And take that us, happens. Sorry. sorry no, I was just going to say, take us through that funnel. I'm very curious about what it looks like after someone clicks. Sure. So we, I guess like what we teach right now in our, so we, we do like business mentoring and fitness coaching. So we mentor personal trainers on the, uh, the business side of what we do, uh, just because I guess we've been doing it for so long and it started by people asking us for it. And the process we teach in that is a, it's a 14 day sequence um, where over that 14 days, you're basically assuming someone's a stranger on day one. It's like, well, what questions do they have? So you know, or they know that they want to lose weight. They just don't know why they should listen to you about weight loss, right? Because who are you, right? Is this a scam? How does online coaching work? All these sorts of questions are, are basically forefront of their mind. So during those 14 days, it's bits of content, it's video, it's downloads, it's text, basically just to try and convince them that all those things aren't true, right? You aren't a scam. You aren't just going to take the money and then never deliver anything. This is how the service works. This is why online coaching might actually be more convenient than offline coaching. This is why your methods are different to other people giving them free value, free information, and then just presenting the paid version of what you do as the logical next step for them. I love what you guys do with the, the organic, and I think it, it helps legitimize what you're doing with the paid. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and because personally, I'm just thinking about if I got these ads from these guys and then I click through and and I didn't see them posting anything on their Instagram or didn't see them posting anything on YouTube 
I'd be like, well, what's going on here? Like, why aren't they they doing that? You know, and I think it, it mm-hmm. works in tandem. And I think that's really beneficial. But thank you for breaking that down. It, it Very helpful from, from my perspective. Yeah, no problem. So, so I guess the way we see um, Instagram or a website or like any social media or a website is if someone – if someone sees an ad for exactly as you just described, right? So they see an ad from you about the first time, they're naturally very skeptical, right? So they might, they might click and they're starting to go through this funnel and they're thinking about it. Like it's a bit interesting, but ultimately they're still skeptical. The fit, one of the first things those people do generally is they just Google you, right? So they'll Google the business name or they'll Google the name of the coach. And if nothing shows up, it's probably not the best sign, right? It's not, it doesn't work in your favor. So, or they might search for you on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever, um, or YouTube. Um, and so whatever they find there, that's just helping to convince them either way, right? Maybe they find it and they see a video of Yusuf in his pants doing something weird and think, you know what, these, these guys aren't for me, right? Or maybe they see a video of Yusuf in his pants and think, you know what, like these guys seem legit. I'm in, like, where do I sign up, right? So, but the point is, and I think the misconception of, of of organic in general is people think if I just post stuff, people will find me somehow, right? But there's so many Instagram accounts, there's so many social media accounts, so many websites, so many people trying to do the same thing as you, um, that it's just hard to find and reach new people every day. But if you have a way of doing it with advertising, and then you can introduce them to things like your organic channels or your podcast, then that's how those things really help the buying process for people and like learn about who you are and what you're like and the, you know, what you find funny and what you don't find funny and all those sorts of things. So that's how, you know, those things you, you're hundred percent right. Like they definitely work in tandem and at one without the other will always struggle. Mm. It's really interesting. And one of the things that I wanted to ask you about kind of changing gears a little bit is you seem like someone who's very thoughtful and I'm curious what in the past year, let's say, have you changed your mind on? Oh, what a question. Um, so I, I think probably the we, – so we, we just like brought on someone in, uh, in propane as a like um, – community manager i guess is their official title um he's called alex he's awesome he's been working with us full time for for a while now um i thought i was pretty sure because of the nature of what we do right we don't have an office it's all remote yusuf and i do this full time um you know we we have everything we need we shouldn't need help basically right we shouldn't need to hire people we don't we're not um confined really by um, how many hours we have in the day that much. So I didn't think we'd need to, to employ anybody really for the business to grow. Um, and it was, it was only after hiring someone for the first time full like full time uh, staff member that you realize, um, the perspective that they bring that you just can't see yourself. So like things that Alex will raise on a daily basis that I would never have seen or never, you know, it's just a new set of eyes, a new uh, way of thinking, um, that can really just help you, like expand what you're doing um so i've always i've always been sold on the idea of hiring coaches and like yusuf and i always hire coaches um but i think we both thought for a long time that we would we would always just be able to run this ourselves um, and we wouldn't need any anyone else in the team so 
that probably in, in the, like the biggest decisions we've made um that would be number one like as a thing i'd just definitely change my mind on you know now i'm looking at it as like one of the best decisions we've made business-wise um versus something that i thought we'd never have to do i'm curious about something that alex has brought up or another set of eyes has brought up that you didn't think of if if you don't mind sharing yeah sure so i guess like a lot of it is about actually ironically about about our content strategy um so the way we use these platforms the way the effort we're putting into these platforms the production quality we we put out there how often we should be doing things like a podcast or or youtube um how we communicate with clients as well so um we would say so for example like um i it was our belief for a long time that yusuf and i had to answer every single email that the business received because people are emailing us, right? They're like often addressed to me or to Yusuf. And then if we didn't reply to the email and someone else did, that looks bad, right? And when Alex came in, he saw that that was happening, raised that like no, you know, no other big businesses really do that. Let me try and take care of that. And suddenly, you know, two weeks later from doing it, freed up so much of our time and nothing bad happened. So I think a, a lot of it is that just because when there's just two of us running the business, um, and we have these these beliefs that we uh, agree on, Yusuf and I. Um, and someone else comes in and goes, have you thought about what would happen if you did the opposite of that or stop doing that? Um, and you try it and it works. It, it completely like changes your mind or shifts what you think is possible. Um, so yeah, I think he's very good at spotting things that Yusuf and I do that we, we shouldn't be doing. <laughs> it's like very manual things uh, or maybe things that we should be spending more time on um, and like calling us out on it. So those are some examples. What types of traits do you look for when hiring someone? So, I mean, I don't know, to be honest. <laughs> so uh, the, way, the way we hired Alex was uh, he actually reached out to us. So I guess that leads into something that uh, made us decide to hire him, that he's, very, he's a very like, high agency person. Um, he got in touch with us asked for a free internship um and then basically like roles and, and and tasks that he kind of suggested he could help us with and take care of ended up becoming a, a full-time position for him so um it's not even necessarily that we were actually looking for somebody um it was his he was proactive and he reached out to us and um basically um helped us make a decision very very easily um but we don't i we, we have very very little experience in kind of we, we were actually a year ago when we considered this, um, we were going to like put messages out and look at CVs and all that sort of stuff. But I'm not, yeah, I don't know. I wish I did. I wish I knew the answer to that. But I guess high, high agency and like taking the lead on things was important to us. Um, but I don't know how you assess that on a, on a CV basis or a, like an application basis. For those who don't know, just talk a little bit about what high agency is. I guess just the, sort of the simplest way of, of describing it would be, you know, someone who, um, if they have a question or they're stuck on something, they'll like try and find the answer out themselves first. Um, they kind of take a lot of responsibility for things. They um, put work in on their own before asking for help or um, will ensure that work is complete and not blame other people, that sort of thing. Um, so obviously in Alex's case, like we, it's not like we advertised and then he reached out to us. He was like, Oh, I'd quite like to work for 
this kind of business or I follow Johnny and Yusuf, I'm going to, how can I help them or how can I reach out and see if I can, can assist them? I'll do it for free. I'll do it for a while for free um, before any of it, anything comes of it. Um, versus just kind of waiting for something to happen and then responding to it. It's like finding your own path and crafting it rather than reacting. Yeah. And it's interesting because you see this in a lot of business owners and a lot of business owners are upset sometimes that their employees aren't high agency. Right. And it's Mm -hmm. like, and it's like, how can you take someone who is an employee and let them and have them care about your business as much as you care about it. And I think the answer to that is to hire high agency people. <laughs> yeah. And I suppose that the challenge with that is a high agency person has a higher propensity to be entrepreneurial mm-hmm. themselves, right? Rather than work for somebody else. So yeah, it, it, it's, it is difficult. And I think, getting somebody who who truly truly cares about the business you run um more than their own interests even um is very challenging and i i, I definitely don't feel like i'm the i'm the person who know who, to answer any questions on that really but um certainly what we've seen i suppose you know we, and we've had people work with us and, and for us in the past um and generally when we when we do bring on people into the business short term or long term it's from our like customer base or existing like followers and that sort of thing, just because they're already pretty bought into what we do anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they know why they want to work with us or why they don't want to work with us. And that, I guess, creates a, a bit more agency in the role because they, they kind of know why it matters as well. It's not just, oh, I'm being asked to do this and I don't want to do it. It's like, oh, I'm being asked to do this and this is going to help the brand in this way. And I can see how this fits into like the longer term. Um, but yeah, it's tough. So switching gears a little bit is a topic that that I want to talk to you about, which is meditation. And mm-hmm. the reason why I bring it up is because I was watching a video from Yusuf the other day and he mentioned that you you didn't believe in meditation, then he had you try it for for thirty minutes and 30 minutes every day for 10 days and, and get back to him and you got back to him and you said, whoa, this this really makes a huge difference. Mm. Talk a little bit about why I guess you thought it didn't work and if you're still doing it, if that was an old video, I'm not sure, you recorded a while ago or whatever. Um, yeah, talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so I I think probably quite a lot of people these days got into meditation through uh, headspace. Um, so I did like the take, the, I think it's called take 10. It was called, it was like 10 days, 10 minutes a day for 10 days. It was free, uh, all on, on this iOS app. Um, and the idea was there was some science about a hundred minutes of meditation was supposed to change your brain, um, for the better. So did that. Um, and you know, the first three, four days of doing it, you sit down for 10 minutes and your mind just wanders all over the place and you're sitting and thinking with your eyes closed for 10 minutes, basically. Um, and I just didn't really feel anything from it. Um, and so because of that, struggle to form a habit out of it. Um, and so I tried the, like the James Clear habit formation approach of, well, make it really easy. So I'll do a minute a day and make that consistent. Then I'll do two minutes a day and three minutes a day. And I was on that 
journey when um, basically the story that you said tells in that in that video started where I, I came up to him and I was like, like I'm doing like four minutes 30 of meditation every morning and I just can't tell um and Yusuf's done a lot of meditation um I don't know what his total hours are but he's done retreats and been doing it a long time and that was his response it was like just do you know you, you have to do the a certain amount before you see anything you wouldn't expect to to do um one press up a day and see any difference um so i did that i tried that and i did definitely see a change um and i, I think like i i do still meditate so like i meditated today i meditated the day before you know i still meditate every day as, as, as often as i can i suppose um i think the benefit i get from it is it just i guess like i feel like i have space between um a situation and my reaction to it so things i think they feel like they happen a bit slower rather than just being swept away in thoughts and emotions all the time um i've never had a like a spiritual experience or or anything like that um but i can definitely say on days when i meditate i feel calmer um and more focused on days than on days when i don't and so as a as a trade-off of like you could spend 30 minutes in the morning doing this and feel like this all day it seems like a fair trade for me so i keep doing it um, Very but nice. yeah that's that's where i'm at with it. it it's so fascinating because i meditate every day and last sunday i didn't meditate and i just got behind on what i was doing and just didn't i didn't do it and at the end of the day, my mom was talking to me and was like, why are you telling me what to do today? Like, what what's going on? And I was like, what is she talking about? And then I realized, oh my God, I never meditated today. <laughs> and it was that moment of like, holy shit, like, it matters. It matters a lot. And and it's really interesting because I, I don't know how I, I must have been a really moody person before meditating. My mom's definitely listening to this and, and nodding her head. Uh, but it's like, it's really fascinating when you take someone who, who hasn't meditated and, and then tell them to sit with their thoughts for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. Like Yusuf said, it seems like a practical joke. The world is playing on you, Definitely. but, but yeah. then it actually, it changes your, your brain chemistry. It changes who you are. So. Yeah, it's really yeah cool. for sure. I mean, it, the, the practical joke thing was, was something that. I remember saying to Yusuf, like, have you ever thought, what if, you know, what if this is all wrong and you don't get anything out of it and we're all just sat with our eyes closed for hundreds of hours and, and it's all just a big joke. Um, but I think it's, and this is something I got from Yusuf as well, that I, I think when you're meditating, if you meditate daily, you don't necessarily really get anything directly out of it until you stop and realize what it's like to not do it. Mm -hmm. um and like it's the it's the contrast without it than more than with it it's not i think people think of meditation they imagine monks um you know sat um chanting on a on a cushion um but actually the it's when you stop meditating and experience what it was like before you started meditating you're like ah right okay that's why i need to make it a, a priority it's almost the same with lifting weights or exercise as well it's like if you stop doing it for any considerable time you're you're like oh wow i was living like this before uh yeah. so it's really interesting how that translates to another area as well definitely yeah 
So you've said in switching gears here again is like you've said in a recent video of yours that 90% of business books are useless. And so, <laughs> so what the question that popped out to me was, well, what, what are the 10% that you recommend or, or <laughs> yeah, give me some of those because those are the ones we should want to read. Those are the ones to read. Yeah. yeah. So I guess what that video was, was talking about, um, it was more, more a comment on the culture around reading. So, uh, and it's something that, that Yusuf and I were, were swept away in for a long time was this idea that if you're not reading a, like a book a week and that sort of thing, that you're not learning enough and you should be trying harder and, and, and that sort of stuff. Um, whereas actually, you know, if you, if you take any one of the, the, the big, the big sort of, uh, operating system style books. So, um, I don't know if you, if you heard of deep work, for example, by Carl Newport or digital minimalism or anything like yeah. that. They're, yeah. They're, so like, they're staring at me right now. Well, like, awesome. Yeah. So like if you take even just deep work, right. As a, as a book, as an example, um, a lot of people read that and think like, Oh yeah, wow. Like that's, that's a really good book. And then they move on to the next one. Um, and really like if, if all you did for a year was just make it your mission to just apply all of the lessons from deep work, you would get such a return on that investment and like your life would completely change. Um, but that's like the, the boring side of it, right? Back when we're talking about deadlifting, it's like everyone wants to try the new training program rather than stick with the same one and deal with the plateaus and the difficulties and like just stick with the boring program, boring stuff that ultimately drives progress. So I think what, what Yusuf and I were, were trying to put across of that episode is rather than just reading things all the time, especially business books, because a lot of them are um, one idea or one concept that is expanded into two, 300 pages, um, rather than being a complete manual on how to run your business. So most books are a, especially like self-help, self-development books and business books are a single concept that really the difficulty is not in reading the book, it's in consistently applying the thing that they're teaching or the concept that they're trying to put across. And so our experience was always that we'd read all these books, but like digital minimalism, you know, I'd still look at my phone all the time or I'd still be distracted when I was working um, or atomic habits. I still had all these habits or my environment wasn't set up right. Um, and then with all the business books, the tendency is you read one and you then read the next one and the next one and the next one and, and your business is exactly the same or the way you are op you're operating your business is exactly the same. So that's really all we were trying to get across that there's a, there's a thirst for knowledge generally that, you know, if you read the next book that has the answer when actually the answer may be in the last 10 books you read. Um, and it's just the, the harder, um, the harder side of it is taking all that information and thinking, right, how am I going to actually put that into practice? rather than just read the next thing. So that's what we were what we were trying to get across. Yeah. And it reminds me of a story from Matthew McConaughey who read a book in college before he was a famous actor and the book is called The Greatest Salesman in the World and in the book it it talks about rereading each chapter 3 times a day for a month straight. So, and there's 10 chapters to read. So you end up reading the book for 10 months and rereading it over and over and over again. And, 
after he read this book, The Greatest Salesman in the World, he then goes on to start his Hollywood career. He gets lands roles left and right. And it talks about exactly what you're saying, which is like just applying one really good book over and over and over again and, and rereading it and, and learning from it. It sounds bizarre because that's not how we think of reading a book, but that might actually be the best way, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess it's just not as exciting, right? Like it's, um, no one wants to hear that side of things, I suppose. Um, they just want to hear that, you know, so-and-so has got a new book out and maybe that might be the, the stuff you've not heard before that might be, that might be where the secret is. Um, and there's an example that I think it might even be in that episode that Yusuf talks about just linking back to meditation where he was saying, you know, he went on this meditation retreat and the, the, the teacher in the meditation retreat just kept saying to people that the thing, the only needs you need, the only thing you need to worry about is focusing on the end of your nose, just the sensation on the end of your nose. And that is it. Everything else is just a story and a narrative that you're believing as to why that's difficult. Um, and Yusuf was saying he knows that, but he still read so many other books and uh, listened to audiobooks and trainings and courses about how to meditate. And he wishes he just spent that time meditating instead, right? Because you don't, there's nothing else to know really aside from this is how you meditate and the rest of it is just time spent practicing that simple thing. Um, and I, I just think from our experience, so many things are that. Um, so many things are, there's a few like key habits that are often quite difficult and um, hard to stay consistent with. And the answer to achieving the thing you're trying to achieve is to just do that daily. Um, rather than look for the next, the next thing that might, the next book or the next course, whatever that might have the answer. So yeah, that, that I suppose is, we did that episode because, uh, a lot of clients will ask us like, what book should I read next? Right. Or what, um, what books are you guys reading now? Um, and that's like the answer we always want to give basically is that actually it might even be rereading the last five books you read rather than reading something new. I really like that idea and I also like I, what the problem personally in the past was I heard that advice and I stopped reading and I didn't realize personally that I just enjoy reading for reading's sake. Do you know what I mean? And you yeah, mentioned sure. this in the video and I think it's important to underscore and highlight is like if you're the type of person that enjoys reading or you enjoy an activity like – purely for its own sake, just keep doing it, right? I, I yeah. like hearing new ideas. I like thinking about why this idea works and why this idea doesn't. And I'm not necessarily trying to get anything out of a book. And therefore, there's when you're doing something for just the inherent purpose of doing it, it's almost like you've that's the best. And so don't let our advice here or, you know, impact your behavior in any way if you just enjoy doing it so i just wanted uh, to throw that caveat out. yeah absolutely man yeah so there's something that we spoke spoke about on modern wisdom recently we do like a it might even mean a life hacks actually so one of the one of the things i raise is a life hack which is really simple is just like whenever you feel like confused or not sure what to do um so for example you start here thinking you know oh these these guys are saying i shouldn't be reading but i love reading all right you just ask yourself the simple question of like, what is the goal here? Like, what am I actually trying to do? So why am I reading, right? And that's the same with, like, Netflix, right? Why am I watching Netflix? Why am I watching a film? Why am I doing this thing that 
maybe the standard advice is that's a waste of time. Like if the answer is I just like it and I'm doing it because I enjoy it and I want to feel like I enjoy watching this or I want to watch something I like or I want to read something I like, then that's a good use of time, Mm -hmm. right? And it's, um, I suppose, one of the only things that doesn't ever really match that criteria is is scrolling social media, right? So very, very few people scroll social media because they just love scrolling social media, right? I mean, I suppose that exists. But most people like who are you know reading a lot or listening to audiobooks, listening to podcasts, um, they they're doing some they're doing it because they get direct enjoyment out of that, and that's the goal. It's when to, in this example, if someone's doing it because the goal is to try and um, find the secret or grow my business or build muscle or lose fat or learn to meditate or whatever, usually the the answer is in something you already know right like what is the goal well i want to meditate more it's like right well is the answer in the book or is the answer to just go and meditate um but you're you're dead right that if the answer is well i like reading and the goal is to read something i enjoy then you know it's just a simple way of kind of removing the noise from the decision or like making things very easy to make a decision on and to go back to meditation i feel as if I am more in touch with what I actually enjoy from meditating and mm-hmm. I'm less likely to hear someone's perspective on a podcast or hear someone's video and be like, oh, I should do that because they said so and more likely to say, okay, what do I say about this and and have some some level of trust in my own gut and my own instinct and, and my own wants and desires and I think – with so many inputs thrown at us all day, every day, it can be easy to be like, oh, I like doing that because I want to do that because someone else said to do that. But if mm. you really get in touch with yourself and what you want and spend time with yourself, you get to propel your own interests and your own desires and, and really think about what those things are and just do them more often. Definitely. Yeah. So – before we wrap this baby up, I wanted to ask you if you could give some wisdom to the listeners of the Danny Miranda podcast. I know you've spent time alone in your business. You've you've had multiple podcasts on the Modern Wisdom podcast, multiple episodes. So drop some wisdom for us uh, for the listeners of this episode. Just on anything? On anything. Up to you. Dealer's choice. Okay. Um. So I would say, I guess, like are your are your listeners, um, are they are they business owners? Are they do they work a job or anything like that? Do you know generally or all over the be, place? It could, could be, be anyone. Okay. Well, so I, I think like a a bit of advice that I wish someone had given me sooner, um, or I guess I suppose I've never really been given the advice at all. Um, a bit of advice I wish I'd been given was just that. Um, if you are, well, in fact, you know what? It, I think it is It is in a video by a guy called Alan Watts, I believe, um, where he basically says, like, if you are really passionate about something, and again, I know that's a cliche, um, but if you're really passionate about something um, or you have a really deep level of interest in something, um, like starting a podcast or starting your own business or starting a YouTube channel or whatever it is, and you have a, a level of interest that is that is you feel is like exceptional, right? That you love spending time doing that thing. Um, generally speaking, 
you will end up being better than average at it because of how interested you are in it. And that also tends to mean that at some point down the line, if you're consistent with it, you may well be able to charge a fee or earn an income, earn a living doing that thing. Um, which, you know, for most people, if they're asked the question, like, what would you do if money was no object? Or uh, if you won the lottery, like, how would you spend your time? The answer that people give, they tend to, to justify as to why they're not doing it normally with, oh, but I would never be able to, to make an income doing that. Um, and that's what I used to think with like what I do now. So I never used to think that I'd be able to to coach fitness online and, and earn enough money to, to live. Um, but, you know, because Yusuf and I are both passionate about it and super interested in it, it's like all we think and talk about. Um, it ends up being, it, we end up, you know, sustaining the boredom, I guess, that other people would get, would, would give up with um, long enough to be able to do it for a living. So I guess that would probably be the, the like the, the the idea that's probably changed my life the most um so it's it's i think it's from a guy called alan watts i hope i'm not misattributing that um he's like a a british like a, a writer and a philosopher i think um, but it's in a like a, a popular video um but yeah that would be my my chosen bit of wisdom i love it man and it's uh it's very important and i'm super grateful that you came on the show today and that you took the time out of your day. Where can people find you on the internet? So I am uh, one one part of the, the two-headed beast that is, that is propane fitness. So uh, propanefitness.com or propane-business.com um, is the best way to get in touch with, with either uh, Yusuf or myself. Um, so the business side of things is if you are a uh, a coach, an expert, personal trainer specifically, um, and you're looking to just digitize what you do and, and move online. Um, if you're interested in losing fat, building muscle, deadlifting 300 kilos, uh, then propanefitness.com is the place to go. Awesome. And thank you so much for your time. If you guys enjoyed this episode, you'll also likely enjoy the episode with Yusuf, you, I believe that's episode 15 or 16. You could check that out on the podcast. So thank you again, Johnny, so much for joining us. And Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, man. hope you have a great day. Beautiful people, we are back. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Johnny Watson. If you did, let me know on Twitter. At Hey Danny Miranda is the best place to give me feedback for this episode. And that's all for today, folks. I had a wonderful time giving you this episode. I hope you had a wonderful time listening. I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.